This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keipel, Vice President of CX of M and retired Global CX Executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by... Bob Keipel. We're thrilled to have Bill Stykos, the head of customer experience at Freddie Mac and the host of Be Customer Led uh, podcast on the show with us today. Uh, welcome, Bill. It's great to be on. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Bob, for having me on the show. So um, Bill is a host of Be Customer Led, uh, a podcast that explores the importance of customer and employee experience and how companies are developing leaders and cultures that are maniacal about the customer. Um, so with that being said. Um, yeah, let's get started. Um, hey, get Bill, started. Yeah. how about, can you just tell us a little bit about um, what led you to start your podcast? Um, I wasn't busy enough. No, I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm a, I, I think, well, a couple of reasons. One is, and I think a lot of people in the same boat given COVID um, it's given people some some time to reflect on what's important to them, what they want to do. And I'd been thinking about the concept of a podcast for a fairly long time, maybe about a year. Never, never pulled the trigger. And, you know, for me, the reason why I want to do a podcast is there are a lot of consultants out there talking about CX via podcast, via social media, other forums. But there are very few practitioners and leaders in this space doing the same. And given that, you know, CX has exploded, frankly, over the last five years, and for good reason, there are a lot of people still new to the game and trying to figure it out, even in those five years. And there are good reasons for why they're still new in the game and trying to figure it out. Um, and I'm happy to explore that a little bit with you guys. But I wanted to get real, actionable insight, information from those living and breathing the work every day, and then share that with the broader community out there, whether that you're in the customer experience space whether you're in the employee experience based on the HR side or whether you're even just thinking about customer experience and what that might mean for your day-to-day job because you're in the contact center or you're in some other role in your organization. So, you know, it was, it was a great additional creative outlet. It actually has re-energized my love for the work I've been doing this for the better part of my 25-year career. Um, and I'm a big believer in continuous learning and I'm learning from the people even that I'm interviewing, which is pretty amazing. Um, and, you know, two more things I want to add. There are not a lot of podcasts, funny enough, that are focused on customer experience, um, let alone ex- employee experience, and then let alone both combined, right? Which is another reason why, you know, just topically, I was like, this is really important. And I want to start to explore this in a deeper way because I get questions that I get questions thrown to me all the time about employee experience. Um, and then I will, I have to mention one of my guests, a guy named Jason Womack, he goes by JW. He's written a couple of books, but one was Get Momentum. And um, I probably would not have started it without the push from that book. And like, he just gives you tools and framework to kind of just 
literally get momentum. I was like, I, I reread the book top of the year and I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. This is what I want to do. Full energy. And I, and I said, I'm going to probably do this monthly or maybe biweekly. I don't have the time to do this um, on a weekly basis. And within like the first episode I was done, I'm like, I have to do this weekly now. It was just fun, exciting. I got a lot of interest from people that wanted to come on the show and, and, and have a chat. So um, that's, that's, that's what led me to start the podcast. That sounds wow. great. You know, the, one of the things you said just made me think, you know, everybody lives customer experience every day and everybody talks about it every day, but it's usually just complaining. And, uh, you know, oh, this happened when I went to do this, whatever. And so it's nice to hear the pragmatic and just leading to people to have new ideas about how they can run their place. So that's awesome. Yeah, I know. And, and the complaints and, yeah, well, I mean, it's both sides, right? I mean, especially when, when we do surveys where I am or at other places that I've worked, you get a lot of the, the, the ends of the curve, right? The, the complainers and the folks that are super happy. It's figuring out like the big part of that distribution, what they want and what their needs are. That is kind of the tricky part in some of this work too. So, um, but yeah, just, just getting like real good, fresh ideas, how people are doing differently, doing it differently, how they're thinking about it differently. And hopefully people listen to the show and then come off and say, I can actually put that into practice tomorrow in my job. So hopefully that's, that's the type of content we're putting up. Well, we're, we're with you right there. We, we love it too. Um, besides it gives me a, it gives me an excuse to see Bob at least once a week. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we got to do a YouTube thing so everybody can see this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we can talk about each other's microphones and headsets and so on. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, 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 you know, as I mentioned before the show, I really share your philosophy about CX, part, particularly yeah. your dual focus on both the customer and the, ex, uh, and the employee experience. Why, why did you choose to do so when so many don't? Well, you know, well, you can't have a great employee experience. Excuse me, you can't have a great customer experience if you don't have a great employee experience. I think that's just common knowledge. Um, I, I'm starting to dig deep on proving that through data uh, now. And that's a big goal of mine um, uh, and my teams. And I think of a lot of other uh, customer experience professionals and, professionals and leaders, you know, over the next year or two. And we're at a place where data, frankly, it, you know, can be brought together in a much more interesting way than you could have, you know, five years ago, let's say. Um, so like one, you, you can't have one without the other. So from my perspective, there was also no point in just focusing on one versus the other. It was sort of like, you know, making a cake, but forgetting the sugar, so to speak. Mm. And um, if you're doing the work in a, in a CX team today, whether you're in insights, analytics, design, culture, what have you, I think you have to be thinking about both congruently. And I think as uh, I think organizations have to be doing the work at the same time. You can't just start like, Hey, let's create a great employee experience and that, let's not focus on the customer experience that will come or let's focus on the customer experience, but you know, damn be the employee experience because all the work on the CX side will be for naught. So you really need to think strategically around how can I start doing this together? You know, I'm still at early days in the podcast and at some point there'll be more rhyme and reason to the stuff that we're, that we're doing and talking about it. But um, I think organizations have to have really just industrialized programs stood up to be able to tackle both of the problems uh, on the employee and the customer side. Um, otherwise, it's, it's busy work. So 
you know, it's not it's not a new new idea. It's been out there for a long long time. Yeah, I learned about decades. it decades from putting a service profit chain to work mm-hmm. from James Heskett and HBR um, back when I was doing my MBA in the nineties. Why do you mm-hmm. think so many executives just don't get it? Well, let me. I want to add on to that because you said, um, Bill, you said it's common knowledge that there's no CX without EX. Yeah, and I think that's kind of not true in a way. I, maybe I'm just more negative, but I think people know what to say, but they don't do it. Yeah. You know, why? Why? Why is it? Why? Why? Do badly. You, yeah. yeah. Why? Why do you think executives don't see that connection? So I. I so I disagree with that. I think the the reason why that gets kind of fouled up a couple of reasons. One is you've got your HR functions and your business functions largely siloed. One, your CX function may not be embedded in the right part of the business to actually go drive and effect change. Three, your CX leader and your HR leader aren't going to get lunch once a week and talking about the wonderful possibilities of, gosh, if we just brought our data together and started to figure all this stuff out, we can and understand the behaviors that drive a great customer experience, wouldn't that be fantastic? And then we can model those behaviors across the organization and everybody wins. Those, just the way the traditional organization is structured and set up, it doesn't allow for those conversations. You know, but Tom, to your point, why don't executives get it? Like, I think executives get CX 100%. I think the real challenge, and I've kind of come full circle on this, is I think the real challenge is CX leaders out there um, bring the toolkit, but do not know how to apply it to business strategy and make the connection between business and CX strategy. And that's the CX leader's responsibility at the end of the day. That's why they're hired. And I hear from so many people, oh, the business doesn't get what we're trying to do. They don't see where we're coming from. I'm like, well, what are you doing about that? You just can't sit there and complain because your sole role is to act on the client and your client right now is your CEO. So, you know, what are you designing whether it's communications, whether it's activity, whatever it is, to help them understand where you're coming from and how that ties into the things they're trying to lead broadly for the organization. So I think one, organizational setup is is critical. So a lot of folks need to rethink that. And then number two is how we employ um, CX. So, you know, I know you're teaching CX at, you know, Miss State. I think that's amazing, but there needs to be a component. I hope you guys have it in there about Here's how you're connecting your strategy to the overall business. And it's got to be, it's got to start business strategy top down and then work itself down into that CX vision and strategy. And those metrics have to be tied to, your success metrics in the CX space have to be tied to business metrics. Otherwise, you know, again, like, it, I, who is it, Forrester, I think, um, Harley Manning has written, wrote an article, I think it was last year about, one in four CX professionals is going to lose their job over the next year. And that's largely because we're failing to connect customer metrics to, to real, real business outcomes. So, you know, outside of the CFO, CX leaders should be taking their CFO to lunch and getting coffee and figuring out like, how do I connect revenue or whatever that metric is that is important to the firm down to my CSAT score. And we've got the technology, the technology is not, or the mathematics behind it, I should say even that's easy, right? Like, and the data is there. There's no lack of data anywhere. It's about organically creating those conversations, making those connections so people can see that. 
Well, you've kind of, um, Billy, you've kind of started on what, what I was going to ask you about some of the common principles. Um, so let me just ask this question and maybe you can continue on to some other ones. Um, what are some of the common principles you've learned about successful customer and employee experience design? So um, I think a lot of it's one and the same, right? I, you know, I use Amazon, I use Apple, I use, you know, um, you know, pick, pick your, your favorite experience, web-based or non-web, digital or non-digital. And I, I bring that into my work. When I use the tools at work, I'm like, gosh, why couldn't this just be designed this way, right? It would just be so much easier. So <clears throat> I think the principles, whether it's employee experience or, or customer experience, can largely be the same. And, you know, when I think about that, you know, six kind of core principles, and they're pretty common, come into play. One anything you produce is original and needs to fulfill a need. Like if you're not, if you're just putting stuff out there and it's using up space on a website, in an app, on a document, whatever that is, that's, that's not useful. That's wasteful. Um, if you're creating a digital experience, it's got to be easy to use, right? So bringing in an information architect, don't just look at it from a user interface design perspective, doing UX research, having a UX designer design it, working with an information architect to actually create what is that navigability and the find a, find a, find ability, which is another principle, uh, is it nav navigable? You know, can you locate, you know, information on site or off site, whatever the, um, uh, whatever that channel is, right. Um, desirable. And this is where like image brand, other design elements for your company come into place. Do they evoke certain emotions, do they create an appreciation for the brand and the product? And also you got to think about here from a desirability perspective, designers need to design for people go through several emotions during a given course of a day. And you should be designing for people that are happy and for people that are really pissed off because you want to create a great environment. So if I'm angry, but like I go to your website or to your app, you change that through that experience. If I'm happy, you certainly don't want to piss me off. So, you know, because that that the other end of that spectrum actually creates a lot of negative emotion and and will force people onto social media and start to write about stuff. So, um, I, I think you need to design for emotion as well. Um, accessibility and and that this isn't just for people with disabilities. This is particularly given the age and time that we're in now, making sure that um, you're designing. Uh, for gender, race, um, diversity, et cetera. I think that's also critical. The words that you use um, in a document, on a site, in an app, um, your service line delivery folks like at the teller are engaging and speaking to their customers in a certain way. I think that is, is all part of that accessibility piece. And then find, finally, is it credible, right? Like, do I trust and believe what you tell me? So... So that's so. Um, those are easier to. That's a, that's a lot to unpack, but yeah, <laughs> no, those are great. Um, I'm I'm listening to you talk about these, and I'm thinking about um, the customer interface. Um, and but then I'm jumping back to employee experience. How do you apply the same principles sort of internally with the ex employee experience, and how do you motivate employees to really get it so that they're delivering? So I think the mode, and that's what, so the motivation piece comes in um, on the leadership side, frankly. And, um, you know, we can talk about what I think, you know, some of those important attributes are because leadership, and we talk about this on, on the Big Customer Led Post podcast, 
Um, actually had a woman, Lori Rudman, on a couple of weeks ago. She said, culture is a lie that we tell ourselves. It really just comes down to the work that we do, the way that we behave, the support that we deliver to each other every day. It's just, it's just a word a consultant created a long time ago, and now it's culture, and we need a great culture, right? Um, I, that threw me back. It threw me for a spin, that comment. Um, I don't know if I 100% buy yet, but I'm, I'm ruminating on it. And, you know, motivation comes from people feeling like they're being treated fairly. They're not only just treated, but also compensated fairly. Um, being clear about what their role and responsibilities are. Like just the basic tenets of, you know, what people need in a job. And, you know, and the interactions that they have, and, and hopefully you can build some camaraderie. Now, it's really interesting what's happening over the last six months with people working remotely. Um, it, it, I think the trick is, how do you continue to develop and nurture a culture that is customer-led, that is business-focused, that is execution-focused fully remotely? And who knows how long this will last, right? So um, I think that it comes down to leaders in the organization, but not leaders just from the perspective of people managing people, it's the innate leadership you know, qualities in individual contributors as well, right? Being able to draw that out of yourself, that motivation, but leaders creating that transparency, having that vision, staying on, on task, holding themselves, leaders holding themselves accountable, their business accountable, the employees accountable, being fair in how they treat people and creating a safe space for people to kind of raise their voice too when, when they need to. So... And we can get into that a little bit if you want. Yeah, yeah, on that, on that point, what, what role do you think that leaders play in shaping a customer-centric culture within an organization? And can so, you, so can let, you point let, to any specific behaviors? Yeah, there, there's a, unfortunately, there's a ton of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much time, we've, I don't know how much time <laughs> you guys want to spend on this one. Um, all day, all day. So, so let, let's, let's start with creating a safe space, right? Um, leaders being open to feedback, being open to being challenged. Like leaders need to, you, you can't change anything if the person that reports into you who owns an issue or a problem doesn't want to air their dirty laundry out of fear of losing their job, right? So you might be in a contact center, you might be in, in some role where you're managing a process and you know it's broken because you're in a contact center, you get a call, you know, you're an agent, you get a call, your customer tells you that this is broken. Wouldn't it be amazing if that contact center agent felt totally fine to email the owner of that process and say, you know what? I got 20 calls on this today. You might want to go take a look at it. Like that doesn't happen because people are afraid, particularly now, right? Um, And creating that environment and then the leader of you know, the leaders in their organization saying, I'm going to recognize you and hopefully not in a monetary sense, but at least recognize them publicly to say the leader of this age, you know, the, the, the supervisor of these agents created a safe space where that person felt comfortable to go give someone feedback in the organization. And by the way, I'm also going to recognize the person who's going to fix it and their leader because it's okay to do so. No one's going to get fired. It's just feedback. Let's just go fix it. it it's not about putting your finger in the wound. It's about helping people in the organization become better every day on behalf of the client. So I think that safe space and and that kind of feedback culture is super important. One, and I see this a lot, you know, you have so many people say, you've got to earn my trust. 
Like as a society, can we, let's just stop that. Let's just give trust first. I think earning trust is a very outdated and it, it, it slows down success. So give trust. You can lose it. People can lose it, but just give them their trust. And I think you've got companies that hire people. And then that person, that manager goes, you've got to earn my trust. And like, well, you just hired me. I went through a rigorous interview process and now I've got to earn your trust. Like something is fundamentally broken there. Um, I think leaders need to have a vision of where they want to go and embed that vision with customer needs, whether they're internal customers or external customers. Um, accountability, I mentioned that, that's a big one. Um, having a, you know, bringing data and insights to the conversation, just having a fact-based conversation. I mean, you know, Ben Franklin said it best. You can have your own opinions, but you can't have your own facts. Um, and talking regularly with your team, what you're hearing you know, go out, talk to customers, make your team go out to talk to customers, talk regularly about what you're hearing, bring that into team meetings, figuring out how to improve things, you know, experiment and reward experimentation. Um, and, and finally, I know this is a lot, so forgive me. I think the, the, oh, the biggest thing that I'm trying to focus now is just, you know, focus on like team rewards, not individual rewards. I think that, and you probably see this, companies, you know, will reward an agent for getting a high NPS or a high CSATS customer satisfaction score, um, you can't reward individuals based on an individual, you know, a singular customer metric. You've got to think about the team. You know, ultimately they'll they'll figure out a way to game the metric, and so they can get a bigger bonus or whatever that might be, or or compensated differently. So, you know, having team goals, shared team goals, and rewarding at the team level on behalf of customer successes, I think, is another important point. And why why is that? Why why make it a team thing rather than an individual thing? Well, back to the point, you know, Bob said, you know, the motive, like, how are you motivating people? Like, you don't want to motivate a couple, okay. right? Um, and it, it's got to be about a shared understanding, shared passion for the customer. And as a leader, you've got to be creating a team that with, with the right talent and resources to be successful in that vision, you know, to, to achieve that vision and certainly through that mission. So if you're not rewarding the team overall for their commitment and what they're doing, um, you, you, you just kind of leave people out. There was a really interesting experiment, um, a European, um, I don't know if he was a physicist, for, so forgive me, but it, he basically said that the more, it, it's about sort of team dynamics and he, it, it, was pulling the, the, it was pulling rope, the exercise, of, um, tug of war. And um, what he found was um, the more people you add past six people, the less effective the team is because all of a sudden you've got the one or two folks that are not pulling as hard as the others. Mm. So that's the concept of small teams and Bezos has kind of, you know, everyone talks about like, you know, pizza, you know the two pizza team or whatever that is, but there, there's real science behind this. And, um, and, and if you don't reward the team, your one or two laggards that are there that everybody knows is not pulling their own weight has significant and severe impact, particularly for your high performers. And sooner or later, they're going to say, I'm not dealing with this anymore. Or they're going to say, I need you to kind of pick up your game because you're, you're holding us back. Right. So that's why. I love the whole aspect of, um, you know, giving employees positive experience that just reinforces everything. So as a leader yeah. of employees, you know, you can notice what situations are going on and they don't have to be purely, you know, technically rewards, but they can be rewarding experiences like, oh, you know what, you didn't, you know, 
and he didn't chew me out for sending him bad news. <laughs> huh. You know, that kind of thing. They, they don't have to be big things. And, and that goes back to the safe space, Bob, right? I think that um, it, it, it's, look, businesses are operations. Operations fail. By default, they're going to fail. Nothing is 100% certain. It's really more about, you know, what am I going to do with this learning or this failure next? Am I going to keep repeating that, which is obviously an outcome you don't want? Or do I know what I need to do to fix it and it's not going to happen again? And, you know, I, I, I've seen leaders just completely just destroy people over the silliest, smallest thing. And I'm like, what are you doing? One, you're creating an environment of inconsistency where even your top performers, even if, let's just say they're a low performer and they're not performing well, you kind of blow up. Even your top performers are looking at that behavior. One, they're going to probably mimic that down the road somewhere, which is not great. Or, or worse, they're going to see that and say, wow, Bill was really nice to me yesterday. Am I going to, is he going to do that to me if I screw up? I'm like really doing well. Like, which Bill am I going to get tomorrow? Mm. Right? And you need that consistency. So, you know, creating that safe space, letting people know that it's okay to make mistakes, but learn from those. I mean, that's, you know, that's like, you know, six-year-old stuff, right? Learn from your mistakes. So, um, you know, you, you grow and you, and you develop. Um, I, I think that you need to be open and, and honest with yourself and your team that mistakes are going to happen. It's what we do collectively together to learn from them and build on them and grow and grow through those failures or the mistakes that, you know, where, where the connections really start to happen. Thanks, Bill. This has been a, a great discussion. As, and, and as you said, we could probably talk all day just on, on leadership. Um, but, um, but unfortunately, our, our, our time is up. <laughs> Maybe we can have you, have you back again and, and just focus on, on, on leadership. Uh, well, thanks again uh, for being on the show. This has we been really awesome. appreciate it. Um, Thank you so much. Nice chatting with like-minded people. And for our listeners, um, if you'd like to hear more about um, what, what Bill and his guests have to say, uh, tune into his podcast. Again, his podcast is Be Customer Led and can be found at all your favorite podcast outlets or on Captivate FM. So becustomerled.captivate.fm. Thanks again, Bill. You have a great hey, I really, I, Yeah, you too. I really appreciate everyone's time. Great podcast. Love listening to you guys. Um, a lot of great guests on your show and uh, I, I learned a lot here too. So um, don't be surprised if I ever steal any of your stuff once in a while. Hey, you're, hey that's what makes us a community. No, no, I love that's this right. community. I love this community. Yeah. Thanks. Well, have a great weekend ahead, guys. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob Show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.